Father God, we love you. And we thank you because you really are an amazing God. We thank you, Father God, because you are glorious, you are loving, you are merciful. We thank you, Father God, because you knew me a decade ago. You knew me when I was growing up. You know very well that I am far from perfect and I should not be walking around trying to show people that I am something different than what I have been, lest I forget where you brought me out of. So, Father God, as we're about to explore this biblical topic of how important it is to recognize that we are far from saints, that we all fall short of your glory, but your grace is sufficient, we ask, Father God, that it be you speaking and not I, that you anoint my lips, that it be your spirit speaking through me. And I also ask, Father God, as we open your word, that you send your Holy Spirit for wisdom, clarity, understanding, because we never dare open the Bible without calling upon the power of your Holy Spirit. Welcome into this place, and thank you again for being such an amazing God. We ask these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen. Go to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua 23, beginning on verse 1, book of Joshua. We're only going to go to two sections in Scripture today. Um, Joshua 23 is one, and then we'll jump to another one afterwards in John. But um, Joshua 23 this is something to show you because, you see, many of us forget sometimes where we came from. You know, and I have to tell you, if God would have came a couple of years ago, I know that, that it would have been all by his grace if I would have made it anywhere. Because I am far from where, you know, where I was. And I'm glad that God has been patient with us and where he's at and where he's brought us out of. But, you know, many of us sometimes, we come out of a certain place and then we forget where we came from. Now, now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, um, <laughs> sometimes it's good to leave the places that you left. You know, when I went to Iceland, um, a beautiful country. It really is a beautiful country. But we went to a remote area. Many people do the Golden Circle, South Iceland, Southwest area. We did the Northwest area. And when you're out there in the mountain, um, there's actually sex sections where they have um, latrines. I don't know if you're familiar with latrines and outhouses. When I was a kid at my grandma's house, there was no bathroom inside a house. You had to go out there. So I am grateful how far the Lord has brought me and the fact that I have not one, not two, but three commodes in my house, nice and clean. I mean, the things to be grateful. I mean, I, I recognize. Thank, thank you, God, for, for bringing me out. So it's okay to forget some things and leave them in the past. But I dare not judge anybody who entered those latrines where we spent there 13 days climbing those mountains. Because, you know, you do what you need to where you are and what you got to do. And, and, and I get that. And sometimes some of us, our problem is that we forget where we came from and then we look at others. But when we do that, is because we fail to recognize who brought us this far. We think that it was because of us, because we were just pretty enough, smart enough, strong enough to get out of the hot mess. Joshua, right here, as we're looking at beginning on verse 1, Joshua number 23, we have a reminder of exactly who we are and who God is. And so we're going to read the first 11 verses, and I want you to follow with me. John 23, beginning on verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James. Now, it came to pass a, a long time after the Lord had given rest to the rest of Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua was old in age and advanced in age. Now, here's what happened with Joshua. This was after all of the fights, after all of the battles, after, after everything that was taking place. Now, there was just sort of a little bit of rest in the land. 
And here's a, a, a chapter reminding them how they got there lest they forget. Verse 2, And Joshua called all for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. Verse 3, You have seen all the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God, He has what? He has fought for you. It wasn't you. I mean, if you remember back when Moses was alive, they were fighting some people, and every time Moses cried out to God, we were winning, ooh, we're losing, and we were winning. You remember that? I mean, you see that over and over. It was God who fought. Verse 4, see, I have divided to you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the gray sea westward. Verse 5, and the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. Verse 6, therefore be very courageous and keep and to do to keep and to do all that it is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Verse 7, unless you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the names of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. So here so far, we'll pick up in verse 9, in verse 8 in just a moment, but he's reminding them, your God did this, your God did this, your God, he did it for you, he fought for you, he provided for you, so please remain where you are, do not be steer away, don't go to the left, don't go to the right, don't let these people corrupt you, don't even mention their gods, remember Remember the law, remember everything, remain faithful, and don't lose sight of exactly the source of your power. Verse 8, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Verse 9, for the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations, but as for you, none, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. Verse 10, one man of you shall see, shall say, thousand. And for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Verse 11, therefore, take careful heed to yourself that you love the Lord your God. Do you count how many times he says the Lord your God, your God? You know, someone got upset at me before because sometimes when I'm speaking, I get so passionate. I say, my God, it's because he became mine. He is my papa, and so he is my God. It doesn't mean that I can't share. It doesn't mean that his love is not enough for all of you, but he is my God. And the scriptures remind that this is the Lord your God. This is the same God that would have died for you, even if it was only one individual. Do you understand that? That the cross would have happened all over again just for you if there is just one. Because it is not the will of my Father in heaven that any of his little ones should perish. And so when we share the wonders of this God, our God, my God, your God with others, you don't have to worry about being a saint. As a matter of fact, not only do people don't want to stand, you know, get close to saints, but also if you are honest about where you have been and you share what you've done, if you're open, if you're vulnerable, you can actually connect to people a little bit more because you give them hope. You give them hope. As a matter of fact, if I know somebody that was heavily addicted to alcohol or drugs or something like that, and they're saying, Joey, I know you had a $500 a day habit. I had a $1,500 a day habit, and then I met Jesus. 
And Jesus brought me to where I am today. When I hear that, when they're not afraid to, to, to open up about their struggles, it gives me hope. It gives me faith. It makes me feel that, yes, you know what? I can do that too. It gives me hope because if a human can do it, then I certainly can. You know, of course, Jesus was perfect, but he was the son of God. The disciples had their quirks, but they walk with him. But if you, dear brother, you're opening up and you're sharing with me, that makes it easy for me as well. You know, uh, one of the biggest struggles with us being holier than thou and, and trying to be saints. By the way, work your way to John chapter 4, which is where we're going to next. Um, but one of the things about being holier than thou and so forth is that we are afraid to mingle with people. And you don't have to be afraid to mingle with people. I mean, imagine that my neighbor says, hey, Joe, we were having the game. You know, it was happening, you know, t- uh, tomorrow night. You want to come over? Sure, I come over, join in. Then he offers me some, something to drink, perhaps some liquor, alcohol, etc. That's not the time to say, well, you know, liquor, you know, it's been proven that it affects the brain and cells and things like that. I don't do that stuff, and you shouldn't be doing that either. You see, you see this? All this stuff in your house, you should just get rid of all of that because, you know, it's just whatever. You know, people are more important than information. People are more important than truth. We talked about that before. I'm not saying that the truth is important. What I'm saying is that the love of Christ is important. And the Spirit of the Lord will guide you into all truth. And so you have to find a way to mingle with people to perhaps reject their ideology without rejecting them. And so they say, hey, Joey, you want a cold one? Uh, you know, I, I don't really drink much, but man, I, I could use some water, some apple juice, some OJ, hook it up, throw, throw a little rock on there. You know, it, it's, you, you, can, you can provide an alternative. If it says, hey, Joey, let's go to the casinos and get, you know, New Jersey, we have Atlantic City. And, and so I used to get invited there all of the time and say, you know what? Gambling is not really my thing. I didn't give him a lecture about how addictive it is and it destroys homes and whatever. No, no, it's not really my thing. But, you know, how, how, about, how about bowling? You know what I mean? Maybe we, can, maybe we can do something. So the idea is you could reject the idea without rejecting the person. And you got to find a way to do that. Come up with alternatives. When they gave you a drink, they weren't trying to corrupt you. When they invited you gambling, they weren't trying to just convince you to live your fa- leave your faith. They wanted to connect with you. And that's how we socialize. That's how we hang. That's how we mingle. We go gamble together. We go get a few drinks together. Getting a drink is like the first opener. And so you provide an alternative. Don't beat them up. Don't reject them for them. Don't think, hmm, I have achieved, but you have not, I see. No, it's not how it works. You have to find a way to connect with them. And then when possible, when possible, be contextual. When I went to Iceland, because it's so cold there, um, it, they have, they have uh, actually, if, you, if you're going to eat meat, Iceland is the place. They, they, what they do, they gather all of the lamb, and they let them run free throughout the summer, and then in September they bring them on. This is truly free-range, antibiotic-free, hormone-free kind of thing. They bring them back, and that's the kind of lamb that they serve you. But because it's so cold, fruits, veggies, all those things is important. Um, I, I pay... $8 for a banana, a singular banana, because it's important. I mean, it is expensive. I was so excited. The flight was like 600 bucks. I was like, yeah, man. If you notice, I lost weight. Eating was too costly for me try, trying to be over there. It, it, was, it was just ridiculous. But, but because everything is important. So they're really a, a big meat and potatoes place. And sugar. 
lots and lots of like cakes and rhubarb jam and, and some kind of whipped stuff on there that they make homemade that is like thick and frothy and you just, you know, you just want to. And, and, and so when I was there, there's two things that I broke, two rules that I broke that I normally don't break. Um, the pastor that, that, that invited me there, his dad is a pastor in Iceland. So a few days before and after the backpacking trip, we stayed with them in Reykjavik. And when we went there, they fed us. I only eat two meals a day usually. I try not to eat a lot of sugars and a lot of breads and a lot of whatever. All I had was potatoes and bread and pancakes with all kinds of sugary stuff. And then they, I was so full from lunch that they wanted to give us a third meal. And I said to the pastor, look, I don't usually eat three meals, I just do two, you know, would it be okay? I said, no, they, they, will, they will be offended if you don't. So, so I'm sitting there and just sort of just, you know, bring it, let's, let's do this, you know. But, but guess what? I didn't give them a lecture on, you know, Ellen White says that if your job is sedentary, one to two meals a day, and, you know, this, I didn't go out of my way to lecture on this and meat. That's all they have. And so I ate some lamb in all kinds of ways. I mean, they do it as rolls and this and that and cook this way, the other way. I mean, I have lamb coming out of my ears. I got to do a cleansing or something when, now that I'm back. But, but, but the thing is that, you know, I, I'm, I'm usually a vegan, those of you that know me. But I, don't, I didn't mind compromising why I was there as long as it didn't go against your moral compass. I'm not saying compromise your morals. I'm saying it's okay to meet people where they are. It's okay that if you are God, you talk to people and he says, hey, let's make shepherds of men or let's make fishers of men rather than teach them how to you know, herd sheep or, or, or fish fish. The idea is you meet them where they are. And so you got to find a way to reject the idea without rejecting them or compromise where you can it is okay you don't have to be a saint i want to take you to john chapter 4 because here we have an amazing example of an amazing woman the biggest evangelist in all of scripture even a greater evangelist than jesus yes i said it and he's not going to smite me why because jesus had 12 and one betrayed him this woman As you read the story, you may be familiar with it. We're going to read it. She was the biggest evangelist in Scripture. And I'll tell you why as we look at it. We're going to begin on verse 7. John chapter 4, verse 7. Here's the story of the woman at the well. There's all kinds of things that I can tell you about this. Earlier this year, we had like a a weekend series in like five or six different messages on just this chapter alone. We're just going to do one message right now on this chapter alone and just touch on some highlights. But here it is. Here you have a woman of Samaria, verse 7 of chapter 4 of John, and I'm reading from the New King James. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Verse 9, then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, this was an issue. A man talking to a woman, the time of day that she was drawing water, if you read on earlier verses, and then on top of that, she was a Samaritan. You see, Jewish people, they they had this mindset at the time that they couldn't come in contact with anybody who was not part of their culture. If you were a Samaritan, you were heathen, you were unclean, and I just couldn't come in contact with you. Yet Jesus says some silly things like, we are the salt of the earth. Remember from a few weeks back, you know, the 
food cannot be salted unless the salt touches it. The earth cannot be seasoned unless you rub shoulders with the earth. This is why Jesus talked about, you know what, while they're in the world, protect them from the things of the world while they're in it, not from it, but in it. Because my God is a God that carries you through things, doesn't keep you from things, you know, through the flood, not from the flood, through the furnace, not from the furnace, through the lions, not from the lions. And my God is a God that carries you through. And it is okay. You're not going to get sinful cooties when you rub shoulders with someone. As a matter of fact, I met many non-Christians who behave more like Christians than the people sitting in my pews. Come on now, you can't say amen, say ouch. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and we have given you living water. Later in chapter 7 of John, we know that the living water is the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you're studying our Bible lessons, we have Bible studies here every Saturday at 930. Collegiate class in the fellowship hall, kids class here. I want to encourage you to join us. We are studying about the Holy Spirit for the next, I guess, 11 weeks now. So it, it is an amazing time. But if you're studying this, you know this is the Holy Spirit. You have asked me for living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you give that living water? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Verse 14, But whoever thirsts of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. She she wasn't clicking for her. She, She didn't quite get it just yet. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. You know, Jesus... He made a lot of funnies. He was deep. He was sarcastic. You know, when he say verses like, you're worried about the little speck in your brother's eyes and you got a huge plank in yours. I mean, he's a funny guy. He knew what he was saying as soon as he says, yeah, go get, go get your husband, you know. And look how he's responded here. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And so she perceived that he was a prophet, and they talked a little bit about worship and so forth. And look what it picks up on verse 23. Jesus is saying to her, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, and Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I am he. You know, he used the same verbiage that God gave Moses when he says, hey, who sent me? He says, I am that I am, that ego and me, the same, the same verbiage. Verse 27, and at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, the woman then left the water pot 
She forgot that she was thirsty. Went her way into the city and said to the man, Come and see a man who told me what? All things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? About 20 years ago, I started a prayer journal using the ACT UP model. I don't know if you're familiar with that model or not. ACT UP is an acronym or an acrostic. I always confuse those two. The A is for adoration. The C is for confession. The T is for thanksgiving. So that's ACT. And then UP. The U is for uplifting like other people. Be with my mommy and daddy. Because, you know, sometimes we pray to God, and it's easy to pray for others, but we don't pray for ourselves. And then the last one is petition, which is strictly for you. And you don't know how hard it was for me to write down in that confession area my sins. And it wasn't like, God, you know what I've done. You know the things I did this week. Please forgive me for all of those things. To actually genuinely write down what you've done, it hurt me to do that. Could you imagine if God, through his son Jesus, spoke to you right now and told you all of the things that you have done? Can you picture that, the pain, the ache? I mean, it really makes that Bible text in the Bible where it says that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. You know, that, that active sinning area that while you're in the middle of committing the sin, Christ is forgiving you. That while he's in the middle of being crucified, he says, Father, forgive him, for they do not know what they do. Like Stephen, who was being stoned in the middle of being stoned, Father, forgive him, because they do not know what to do as he's being hit. Imagine that, that all your dirty laundry is put out there. And this woman did not skip a beat. She had a reputation, she had a past, and she could not wait to tell people about this man named Jesus. She forgot she was thirsty, she left the water pot there, she went into the town and she said to the man, she did not even, the Bible doesn't say she even went to the house to get rid of the man that was there. Her sin was still back home in bed somewhere. And she went to the man in the town and says, you have to meet this man. He's told me everything that I've done. Could he be the Christ? And as a result of her vulnerability, of being open, of putting her laundry out there and saying, man, he called me on it. You know this is right here. My life is a hot mess. This is the sense. This is where I've come from. This is what I've struggled with. Talk about a thorn on the side. I'm stabbed to death all over the place with my struggles, with my burdens, with my dirt, with my filth. And he pointed it all out. You got to come and see. This is like revelation type language. Revelation type language. A woman went and shared what God had done in her life. Then you pick it up here in verse 30. It says, and they went out of the city and came to him. And so they went over there. There were some discussions. The disciples were talking a little bit with Jesus. And then look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the who? Woman who what? Testify, right? He told me all that I ever did. Again, it reiterates the fact that she was open, vulnerable. She didn't pretend like she was a saint. She didn't pretend like her fecal matter had no fragrance. It smelled like flowers. No. She was very open and straight up. And because of that, many of them believed and they went to see. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Verse 41, and many more believe because of his word, own word. Verse 42, then they said to the woman, 
Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. See, understand something. I don't want you to bask in your sin. I don't want us to come here and share war stories about how bad we've done it. You know, like, oh, you think that's bad. I did this and I did that. It is not a bragging thing. It is a very sad thing how long it took God to truly enter my heart because I kept fighting him every step of the way. That is a very sad thing, but don't be embarrassed for it either, and don't be afraid to share it with others. This woman, the greatest evangelist in the entire town, came to the feet of Jesus. First, a set of men went because of what she said and how open she was about all she had done. And then they saw Jesus, they heard Jesus, they believed Jesus, they invited Jesus. More people gave their life to Jesus. And then they said, listen, you know, at first... We weren't sure about going over there, but you were so open, so clear about what Christ has done in your life that we were inspired to go at least and see, as you suggested. We went and saw, and now we believe, not because of what you said when you said he told you all of the things that you've done, but we believe because we ourselves have experienced Jesus. And you see, you have to understand, unfortunately, in the eyes of the world, you are the gatekeepers of the church. You know, my God says come as you are, but we have a list of things you got to meet in order to be able to come. Not only that, my God says he's a God of love, and yet we are the nastiest people ever. We can't even get along inside the church, let people outside of the church try to join us in the church. And so understand, understand that if we're really going to make a difference, we have to learn to be vulnerable and be honest about how far God has brought us. To be truthful, because you see, our job is not to change people. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But our job is to create a meet and greet. But people don't want to come and see because they see you out there and they're saying, man, if that's what Christians are like, I want nothing to do with Christ. Is that what your church is about? Then I want nothing to do with your God. But if you were out there representing Christ and not being afraid to say, listen, neighbor, I know for years you and I keep fighting over where we put the trash can. Perhaps we can find out about the stupid branches and I throw them over your side of the fence and everything else. I know, neighbor, that I haven't been the nicest, but I have to tell you, I have met this name named Jesus, and he's pointed out to all that I did. Even when I was mean to you, cruel to you, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. And I need you to come and see this great man named Jesus. And when your neighbor sees you humble yourself before them, actually asking them for forgiveness and owning up to what you have done, don't sugarcoat it. You know, my... (laughs) My dad and my brother, we have a very close family, but there was one time in our entire life where my baby brother and my dad didn't talk for a month. And then my baby brother came over to see my wife and kids because we were visiting Jersey. And um, he came in the door. He looked at my dad. We good? He's like, yeah, we good? And that was it. They never discussed it. They never apologized. They never dealt with whatever it was. They just, they just gave each other the little nod. I have to tell you, if you've wronged me, if I'm the guy in the cubicle next to you and you've just been that mean co-worker this whole time, I, I got to tell you, yes, I want an apology. And yes, if you want me to hear about your Christ, first show me Christ in you. And so understand, we talked before about not being a salesman. This time is not being a saint. Learn and understand that God's power is so amazing doesn't matter how filthy you are or you think you are. His grace is sufficient. 
And when he brings you out, and as he brings you out, notice the Samaritan woman. She did not even take the husband out of the house. I'm assuming after all of that, she went and she dealt with that. Don't think that you have to be perfect before you go witness. We are called to be wounded healers. We are called, as we're recuperating, we are called to also heal others and share Christ with others. You don't have to be a saint. It's okay to open up about where you've been, and perhaps that will entice others to also learn more. Because, man, people that know me, especially when I go back to Jersey, I still can't believe you're a pastor. Yeah. You know, and people that know me, they say, man, if if God worked on you, I was not even half as bad as you. And so that means that I'm an easy one. And so it is okay to be vulnerable. It is okay to share. Now, I pointed out that the lady at the well was a woman. If you study the Bible school lesson, the Sabbath school lesson this morning, you notice that in the upper room, there were men, women, and children. Understand, how do I look like going to a playground to a little kid? Hey, have you met Jesus today? That's probably not going to fly too well, creepy guy coming into talking to kids. But you children here, you were in the upper room as well. They received the Holy Spirit. Men, women, and children, you don't need to be an ordained minister to share the word of God. It is okay where you are in your setting, and don't be afraid to share how much God has delivered you. Men, women, and children. Because after all, if we truly believe that Christ is coming soon to take us home, and if you don't get to have an encounter with the Messiah, then your end is different than ours if we really believe that everybody's on board to tell anyone and everyone about Christ Jesus. So church, my encouragement to you for this week to come, the next couple of weeks, is to ask God for at least one opportunity to either heal, restore, or create a relationship with someone, neighbor, co-worker, person in the cubicle next to you, whoever it is, that you're able to connect with them and share with them the love of Christ and let them know, come and see. Let us go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you, Father God, because you are patient and merciful with us. But we thank you also, Father God, because it doesn't matter how bad things may have been in our lives, how ugly they may have gotten, how much we ran away from you. You are a loving, wonderful, merciful Savior. Father God, we thank you in advance for the great works that you're going to do in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you pour out your spirit over each and every one of us, men, women, and children. That in our own environments, even if it's at lunch in the cafeteria, even if it's at preschool, high school, middle school, elementary school, college, or just at work. It doesn't matter if you're breathing and you know Christ. Father God, help us share that Christ with others. Please send your spirit to work in us and through us for the benefit of all. And this week, each one of us here just give us one opportunity to share with others what Christ has done in our lives. We don't have to be theologians. We don't have to be prophets. The lady at the well was far from it, but she just had one story, the story of what Jesus did in her life. And we all have our own story about your glory. Bless us and keep us right now. We thank you in advance for the great works that you're going to do. This is my prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let all your children here say, Amen.